and welcome to Trashlight. I am one of your hosts, Colleen. And I am your other host, Rebecca, and here on Trashlight, we talk about the good, the bad, and the culturally relevant from Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga, chapter by chapter. Today we will be talking about the preface and chapter one of Eclipse. We're on a new book. The preface does not have a name, but the first chapter is called Ultimatum. And that chapter opens with us reading a note that Jacob has written to Bella because she could not get him via phone, so she had Charlie deliver Billy a handwritten note. We get the kind of YA novel recap of certain plot points. We learn that it's just a few weeks until Bella's graduation from high school, and Charlie is lifting her grounding ban, which wasn't so much of a ban to begin with because he was still letting Edward come over for like two and a half hours each night. But he lifts the ban conditionally that she will hang out with other friends other than Edward. And she gets accepted to a college, to a college in Alaska, and so does Edward. And we get the Edward-Bella dynamic that I know you have craved. And that, like, I mean, basically it's just them, like, talking. There's a couple plot points introduced uh, vis-a-vis a murder spree in Seattle, and how that's yes. actually a vampire. And otherwise, this chapter is merely an introduction back to all of your favorite characters. Yeah, I have a lot of like, here's this reminder, here's this reminder of like exposition, recap. Those are a lot of my notes. But before we do that, we need to talk about uh, the preface. Not the preface, but the little. She's oh, got the poem. a poem. Yes. And so I'm going to read this poem because I have thoughts about this poem. I actually do enjoy the poem she has at the beginning is Fire and Ice by Robert Frost. And for those of you who don't know this poem or don't have it memorized, why would you? It goes like this Some say the world will end in fire, some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if I had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. Which would make a lot more sense as the opening quote for New Moon. Yes, I agree. And these violent delights have violent ends makes a lot more sense for Eclipse. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So that's, it just like, it. I just think that they should have been switched. I just don't think that this is a better. The tone that this poem sets is totally, I mean, the preface, there's almost nothing to say. Like, this bitch is always ready to die. Like, it's uh, it's the same vague bullshit we've read in the past two prefaces. Yeah. It's like vague bullshit it's about really her Bella's dying. about to die. It's about her watching someone else die. And then getting killed because her protector is no longer there, who she does not name as Edward, but who we can only assume. Um, yes, it's very Although, vague. Um, and we're not, I guess not necessarily supposed to. I have a note on that. I don't think we're necessarily supposed to think that it's Edward because it is so vague. Like, it's definitely his family is fighting. Yeah, and it does say, like, somewhere off in the distance, a wolf howled. You know, black eyes wild with their fierce craving for my death. Like... But that's the the bad guys. That's not the protector's eyes. It, yeah, it is. It's but so it's all very. But like that's not clear. If that's the werewolves, or that's the Volturi, or that's whoever the fuck. Like yes. they all have black. They all have really dark eyes. The vampires have black eyes when they haven't eaten. The werewolves have really dark eyes, from what I understand. So it's incredibly vague and stupid, and it's a page and a half long. It's actually a page long. Yes. Um, 
But I think, like... Oh, oh go, go ahead. Um, I was going to say that this one is, I think, better than the other two, because at least we know enough context to know what's going on. Yeah, Because I guess. we know that it is a vampire. We know that she is going to be attacked by a vampire. We, we don't, don't know... know it's a vampire. We Black eyes wild with her face craving for my death. I mean, I guess, but, like, it totally still could be a werewolf, especially at the end when it says somewhere, somewhere, like, somewhere a wolf howled. That like, was off in the distance. Somewhere is, far, far away. In the cold forest where Edward's family is fighting for their lives. Like, yes. I read that as they could be fighting the werewolves, and this is a different fight, right? Like Yes. Well, we know that that fight's different from this fight. Yeah, but I guess I assumed they were related, because why wouldn't they be? I mean, I mean, I guess it's like... I mean, it's not great. Just a testament to, like, the va- how vague and bullshitty it is. Like... Yeah, I just think that this one is slightly less vague than the other two. I guess, but also, like, it's not, because we did completely, we had totally different interpretations on what it meant. Valid, okay. Not, like, I, I agree with you that, like, there's more direction in this, but, like, the fact that we couldn't agree on what actually is happening, I think, is an indication that it's yeah. very vague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also will say that the Robert Frost poem, well, a great poem, Yes. Had very little to do with the preface, and even less to do with chapter one. Yes, oh my god. The tone shift, and it's not even like... I I hadn't thought about that these violent delights have violent ends would be much better here. Mm-hmm. But, like, that is ominous, and then chapter one is kind of like, do-do-do-do, like, sitcom-y, all-in-the-family kind of thing. Yeah. But at least, like, these violent delights have violent ends is ominous with a hint of, like you're going to start out happy, like these violent delights. Yeah, yeah, Right? Whereas this poem is just, like, the first line of this poem is, some say the world will end in fire. Like, and yet this book, tonally speaking, starts on a much higher note than New Moon ever, like, really had. Yes. Yeah, it does. And I I did want to mention before we get into chapter one that typically in circles of people who have read and care about these books. Eclipse is lauded as the best one. Really? I th- I think, I think, like, I mean, my favorite when I, like, read them and liked them was Breaking Dawn, but I think that, like, in terms of plot, Eclipse is typically, like, ranked the highest. I, I maybe genuinely I'm wrong. don't remember. I don't remember if I ever had a favorite one. I just knew that New Moon, that I thought New Moon was the worst one. Yeah, my favorite, I, oh, maybe Breaking Down was my favorite. It's the only one I owned. I think I mentioned yeah. that, like, way back when we first did it. So I reread that one a ton, but the other ones I had borrowed from friends, so I never reread them. Yeah. But I, I, like, and maybe this is coming from nowhere, but I get that, like, I have a memory of, like, Eclipse being hailed as, like, the best one. Maybe for the secondary characters. We like, do get some really great secondary characters. Like, Rosalie and Jasper in particular get fleshed out wonderfully in this book. Yeah. And so do some of the werewolves, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes, I think so. So, um, I just wanted to, like, make mention of that fact or, like, that idea that, like, we're moving from, like, what people consider the worst Twilight book to possibly what some consider to be the best Twilight book, so we'll see how this goes. Yes. But I guess we should dive right into chapter one. Let's do it. Um, so the, the note that Jacob writes Bella, 
God. I like my first thought on this is that if you're gonna write a note to somebody and cross parts of it out, why would you send the parts that you've crossed out? Don't yeah, that was exactly my first note. Like don't send like this note has like seven sentence stems in it of like varying degrees of cruelty and pathetic. Yes, and the part that he wants to send to her that he does end up sending is three sentences long. And what he decides to, like, say that isn't crossed out is, yeah, I miss you too. A lot. Doesn't change anything. Sorry. And there's a bunch else there that he, I guess, didn't want her to read but wanted her to read. Because if he didn't want her to read it, he wouldn't have sent it. It's very childish. Like, it's very petty to, like, leave that all there. It's like saying it doesn't matter I just think it's funny how, right? Like, yeah. if it doesn't yeah. matter, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. if you, it's like typing an email and then deleting it, right? Like, yeah. say what you want, say what you really want to say, read it, realize that it's like mean and petty and not productive and then delete it and then send something else. You don't send both emails. No, no. And that's like kind of what he did. And like, well, it's like doing that, but seven times. But, se- yeah, but a million times. And I will God. say that it is interesting to read Jacob's, like, progression. Like, he starts out mad. Like, the first three are mad. Yeah. And blaming Bella completely. Yes. yes. And then the next, the next one, like, number four starts with, look, I know I'm being a jerk. So then there's, like, a moment of introspection. Yeah. Um, and then... And then he's mad again, but he's blaming Edward this... Well, no, he's blaming her. Right, then he's mad, and then he, like, finally acknowledges that his anger is actually sadness. Yeah. And then he crosses that out, and that is where we get our seventh and final, like, what he actually wants. And the first time I was in therapy, so in high school, my therapist and I talked a lot about how, like, a lot of anger is just, like, masking sadness because anger is an easier emotion to, like, feel. Yes. And yes. that, like, you can have... We we talked about grief, like, a few episodes back. And so, like, it is kind of cool to see, especially because, like, Bella is usually the only POV we get to get a glimpse of another character's POV and their, like, interesting emotional struggles. But also, like, this is a terrible way to do it because, like, he never should have sent the note to Bella with all of the scratched out stuff. No, absolutely not. So unless, like, Stephanie Meyer had put the next sentence as, I was looking at this note with many sentences so scratched out I couldn't read them, and all I, all I could see was, but then, like, allow the reader to see what had been scratched out. Yeah, to give us that insight, but not Bella. But no, we get that, and, like, at the bottom, in the end of the next paragraph, she says, um, don't give yourself a brain hemorrhage, Jacob. I would have told him. Just spit it out. I mean, fair. We do get the return of humorous Bella in this chapter. We do, yes, which is nice. Which is, yeah. It's, it's good very... to see Bella having some sort of, like, humanity character, you know? Yes. Um, are we on to the dinner? Yes. <laughs> the dinner fiesta. Okay, if you have an oven and you have a saucepan, don't put spaghetti sauce in the microwave at all. No. Whether it's in the jar or not. Put it on the stove in a saucepan. Yeah. What are they? Because, like, so, for context, Charlie is trying to make dinner. Oh, excuse me. My voice is still, as you heard a couple weeks ago, I had the flu. I'm like, my voice is still gone. So I apologize for my 
scratchy chain smoker voice. Like, so Charlie's trying to make dinner, and he put the full jar of sauce, did not open the lid, in the microwave. And Bella came down and was like, you can't put metal in the microwave, to a grown-ass man. And then instead of, like, putting the sauce on the stove, she just unscrews the top, puts half of it in a bowl, and puts the bowl in the microwave. Doesn't cover the bowl, so the sauce is going to explode all over the microwave. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, like, a good way to... It's not good. It's not good. Also, just, like... I'm not the picture-perfect adult, but you don't have to heat the sauce up separately. You can boil your noodles, strain your noodles, and put the noodles and the sauce back in the same pan. Yes. And heat them together that way. Well, he doesn't stir the noodles either, so they become a clump of carbs. Yikes. I mean, delicious, but... What I wrote was, is this some gluten-free pasta bullshit or something? (laughs) Uh, Um, Yes. And then Bella has a whole couple paragraphs about how boyfriend is the wrong word, but Edward wants the word fiancé, and that makes her sick. And all I could think of was the John Mulaney, can my girlfriend come? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Which is a great bit. I was going to say, which is not relevant at all. It was just funny. Yes. But again, like, Charlie's inability to cook, like... We Stephanie Meyer as an author waffles on this. Like she's said in the past, like Charlie fed himself for seventeen years before Bella came along, and spaghetti is like the easiest thing in the world to cook. Yeah, there is no consistency. No, particularly not for Charlie because he is either a doofus or competent. Yeah, poor Billy Burke. Poor Billy Burke. He's in. Um. Oh my God. Jess is watching. This is completely irrelevant. Um, the new 911 Lone Star that's set in Austin, and Billy Burke is playing a, like, bad guy firefighter in that. Ooh. He was in a few episodes of Rizzoli and Isles as a potential love interest for Rizzoli. Why wasn't that fulfilled? Uh, because she had a lot of, like, tall, dark men kind of, like, waiting in the wings. And they should have been lesbians. I mean, let's be real. Yes, of course. They should have been. Um, but... This is apropos of nothing. But so then we get especially sorry, but we we are going to go back to Charlie's characterization for three seconds because this this chapter is very very heavy on the Charlie as chief of police. Yes, Bella makes a joke about it. Yeah. Yeah, not only does Bella make a joke about it, but like we get these constant references of Charlie's reading the news and thinking about the murders, and Charlie is like putting his gun belt up and doing all of these other things. Yeah. So to have him portrayed so inconsistently in the same chapter is just frustrating. Yeah, I agree. And then we get to why Charlie made dinner, is that he wants to talk to her. He's lifting her grounding early. Yes. Um, conditionally. With, conditionally, yeah, as we mentioned. Which, he, he straight up says, like, if you had had more friends and not just been hanging out with Edward last September when he left... Like, it probably would have gone better for you. And she was like, no, that's not true. And he was like, yeah, it is, though. Like, so if you go back out, you need to, like, have other friends. Maybe if you had a support system. Right. And and then he, like, leads into, like, especially Jacob. Like, I've been talking to Billy. Jacob is very depressed. He's upset. And, like, you kind of owe him as a friend. Yeah, like, he helped you when you were in a dark place. You guys were super close. Like... Go be the friend to him that he was to you. Yeah. Well, and I also, like, what was I going to say? Uh, oh. 
Bella was saying when she was like waffling in her monologuing about what to say to Charlie to explain why she can't go see Jacob. What she says out loud is like Jacob wasn't totally satisfied with just being friends and that became like hard to deal with because like that's not what I was interested in with him. Like I am happy to be his friend. Yeah. Which as we talked extensively about in New Moon, there is like that whole like unrequited love thing there was far more complicated than that because Bella did have feelings for him and he was like kind of respectful and kind of not respectful depending on like his mood or whatever. Yeah. So it wasn't totally where the moon was in the sky. It's even funnier because he's a werewolf. That's why I said it. Yes. Excellent. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, like, so that situation was far more complicated than Bella kind of distilled it down to. But I'd like to take this moment to say that what Bella distilled it down to is an absolutely and 100% reasonable excuse to ditch a friend. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's not so much what's going on here, but to say, like, I was friends with this person who had feelings for me that I did not reciprocate, and instead of being like, cool, I respect that, and I'm going to move on, they, like... Pounded you and were jealous and doubled down. Like, that's annoying and it's frustrating, and you're not responsible of her boundaries. Yeah, and like, I mean, possibly I'm always thinking of this as like a boy unrequited with a girl just because, like, that's been my experience and the experience of my female friends. Mm -hmm. But like, it's not our job as women to do, like, obviously, this is all very heteronormative, but like, it's not our job as women to like do your emotional labor because we don't like you back. Yes. Like, that's the wild leap, right? Is that, like, you're still making women do emotional labor for having the audacity, I guess, to not, not want to bone you, yeah. even though you're friends, which is wild. Yes. Like, and yet, like, it's so societally accepted. But that's, like I said, it's not really what's happening here, but I just wanted to, like, get on my soapbox for a second and say, like, if you want to ditch a friend because they're being an asshole, like, bye. Do it, Yeah. And, like, on top of the the way that Charlie responds to her surface-level very reasonable excuse is to say, what, Edward can't handle a little competition? Yeah, that was fucking wild. Which is gross. Absolutely disgusting. She is not a prize to be won. She has made her choice. Let her live her life. Right, and then in the next... Well, we'll get to it when we get to it. But in the next chapter, Charlie kind of does a 180 on whether or not he wants there to be, quote, competition for Bella. So it's a wild thing for your father to say. Yes. Ever. Yes. Hey, if my dad ever said something like that to me, I would die. I would just die. Ugh. Just no. No thank you. No thank you. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, it was... I, I literally have a note that's here that says, this is wild on a million levels. Oh, absolutely. We don't have time to unpack all of the levels that it's wild well, on. Well, and I think we should unpack, like, a we little should, deeper. Yes. Oh, about absolutely. specifically the, like, amount of punishment that Bella has received, which is basically none. Which like, it's literally nothing. Like, Edward's still allowed in her house. She still sees him daily. Alice is allowed in whenever she wants. Yeah, when Alice is the one who took her to Italy. Uh, yeah, and, like, Alice can come over whenever she wants to. And Edward has visiting hours. And then, like, Charlie, I mean, Charlie doesn't know that he sneaks in. But, like, Charlie 
like, unfortunately, as reasonable as his point was about having a support system, has created a system for Bella where the only person she can see is Edward. And she actually, Edward. Yeah. she actually points that out to him when they're talking, is that she was like, well, I'm grounded. Like, I can't go out with my friends. Like, right yeah. now, the only, like, the only non-Charlies that I can see not at school are Alice and Edward. So I don't really know what you want me to do about that. And that yes. was when he was like, well, I'm letting you off early for good behavior. Yes. Well, like, she has no real means to misbehave. Yeah. Well, and she is misbehaving because Edward's sneaking Edward's in. Because Edward's there all the goddamn time. Ugh. But also, like, I feel as though Bella would have more of a support system and more opportunity to build a support system outside of Edward and Alice if she had, like, extracurriculars. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, a hobby. Any hobby. Any hobby. Other than, like, sitting in her room and reading Wuthering Heights. Yeah, which is a book that I want to, like, disclaim. I've never read, so, like, at any point when they're talking about the plot, like, I know jack shit about Wuthering Heights, so... I've also never read it, but it sounds terrible. It sounds like a bad book, honestly. It sounds god-awful. Yeah. At any Wuthering Heights stands, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a good know. book. It, it um, Edward actually says at one point in this chapter, like, I don't have a special reverence for the classics just because they're old. And I was like, this is the only thing you've ever said that I've agreed with. Nope. It's not good just because it's old. And some white dude was like, this is a good book, TM. No. But yeah, so then... Oh, but we have um, the uh, seedlings of our plot, the murders in Seattle. Yes. Um, And we do... Oh, go ahead. Oh, she talks about that with Charlie originally first at dinner. Um, and how Charlie is like, don't go to Seattle. Whatever you do, you're going to get murdered. Um, right. Which is just like, Charlie, calm your tits. Seattle's huge. There's no way that one girl going to a mall in Seattle in the daylight hours with another person, like travel in groups, friends, is going to get right. murdered. No, she will be fine. She will be fine. It's going to be okay. And then later with Edward, where Edward's like, oh, yeah, no, they're vampires. Right. These things do happen. It be like that sometimes. It just do. It just do. It just do. The other thing that happens here is that um, we get some more of that girl hate. So we learn that now that Bella, now that Edward is back at the lunch table, the like quote, and Bella literally calls it the good side and the bad side. Yes. Like the good side is Angela, her boyfriend, Ben, Alice, Edward, and Mike Newton, like, yes, reasonably consistently, and that the bad side is spearheaded by Lauren, the bitch. Lauren and, and Jessica. Yes. And, first of all, I, like, not only did I go through my own, like, friend breakup in high school, but I saw a lot of people do the same, like... At me. You know, it happens. You watched well, me yeah. go through my friend breakup in high school. You, and, like, a bunch of others. I mean... Like, they never continue to sit with each other at lunch. Like, how tiny is this cafeteria? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, like, the Cullens had their own table. Yeah. So, if the Cullens have moved to be sitting with those people, and some of the people don't like the Cullens or don't like Bella anymore, why don't they go to the empty table that the Cullens left? Yeah. They're all seniors at this point. Like, if they went and sat at a table that other people normally sat at, I don't think anyone would say a single thing to them. No, but I will say that even as, like, 20-something adults, if someone sits in someone else's seat in veterinary school, you will get dirty looks. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, I absolutely agree. Like, there are spots. If people, if someone comes over to my house and sits in my spot on the couch, I get mad. I'm like, <laughs> that's my spot. Like, bitch. But, I mean, but, like, there should be a vacant table. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It seemed like... And then, like, I mean, no spoilers, but, like, in the next chapter, the only non-Cullen that we talk to really is Angela. So, it, like, actually, like, there's literally no reason why we brought up the, like bitchiness you know like no it was just to establish that lauren's a bitch and that jessica and that jessica has joined her yeah yes so then bella gets her college acceptance letter to the university of alaska which charlie has opened and bella makes a pretty funny joke about how that's a federal crime (laughs) which aren't you the law yeah which i i really appreciated um yes and then Charlie was, like, talking about trying to scrape some money together, and Bella was like, no, don't do that. I have a college fund. Your college fund is a joke. Yes, her college fund is a joke. And then uh, Edward comes in. But before Edward comes in, I have something that I wanted to say that I realized reading her description of Edward. Go for it. Is that Bella's point of view sounds like a high school girl's diary, which, since it's first person from an 18-year-old girl, you would think would be, like, very grounding, except that, like, the writing is as bad as a high school girl's diary and with no respite for 620 pages that, like, starts to wear on you. Like, I actually, reading her descriptions of Edward, I realized that, like, if this book had been, like, kind of, like, in a narrow third person where, like, sometimes we got some italics that was what was happening in her head. Yeah. And Stephanie Meyer was just, like, a better writer... To write Bella's thoughts in this style would actually, like, be a very... It wouldn't have been a bad tone shift. Yeah. It would have been appropriate, it... yes. It would have been an interesting character choice to, like, show... To actually kind of, like, subtly show Bella's immaturity, despite, like, all of her saying that she is mature, like, you know? Yeah, yeah Which absolutely. would have been cool, except that we just get hit over the head with it... Yes. ...unceasingly, which is not fun at all. No. It's really not. So. It's quite a drain to read. And then um, Edward comes in and he keeps like name dropping Ivy Leagues of colleges that he's been right. accepted to. Which means it's going to look super shady when he decides to go to University of fucking Alaska. Like, why'd he apply to the Ivy Leagues if he knew he was going to go to school wherever Bella, like, theoretically went to school? Like, Charlie doesn't know that he's smart. Yeah. He could have been like, I applied to, like, Washington State Community College and you. Not that, like, you are dumb if you go to community college no, or state no, no, school. No. You are absolutely not. But, like, saying that you got into Harvard and Dartmouth is just, like, a flex for no reason at all. Especially, like, if we've already mentioned that he's already gone to Harvard. If he's just trying to go where Bella's going and Bella's missed the deadline for those really good schools. Yeah. And also, she has no extracurricular. She's not getting into those schools. Oh, absolutely not. Not without uh, Unless someone Carlisle cough, cough, gives them cough. Throwing a bunch of money at $200,000. Yeah. So, it seems ridiculous and, like, counter to their intentions of, like, not making Charlie suspicious that he would be like, oh, I got into Harvard, but I'm probably going to go to University of Alaska. Right? Like... Well, because he shows up and then he makes her apply to Dartmouth. And she does... Yeah, well, she doesn't. And then he's like, oh, well, you've already written the essays and I sign your name better than you do. So you actually are applying to Dartmouth. Yeah, which is disgusting. Completely. The amount of, like, controlling Edward is in these first two chapters made me... Furious. Physically ill. So bad. It's so bad. I also like felt like I was gonna die this evening and I had to read two chapters of Eclipse, so like that certainly didn't help. But here we are. Yeah, for those of you 
was going to say, for those uh, Trash Life fans who are keeping up with our personal lives, uh, as of the recording of this episode, I'm moving in six days, and as of the time that you hear this episode, I will be moving in two days. Woo-hoo. So, my life is literally a mess. Like, my house is a mess. It's covered in boxes, and I want to die. But, here we are. Yes. But yeah, he's just, like, super controlling and disgusting. And she's just, like, okay with it. The quote that she says at the end of it is that it wasn't that he was unreasonable. He just didn't understand. Yeah, well, that was when she was talking about trying to go visit Jacob, and he was like, no, I forbid you from going to La Push. And she was like, I spent, like, seven months at, well, not, it was less than that. But she was like, I spent months going to La Push every day, and I was fine. And he was like, well, the werewolves are very dangerous. And she was like, you're very dangerous. Like, eat me. Yeah. And that was when she said it wasn't that he was being unreasonable, he just didn't understand. Which, like, no, he's being unreasonable. No, he's being unreasonable. And even with the Dartmouth thing, he's just being unreasonable. Yeah, if you're ever in a relationship, not just, like, a romantic relationship, but any kind of relationship where someone, like, that's not a, like, an in-charge kind of relationship, like, either managerial or, like, parental or, like, teacher. Like, if your boss forbids you from doing something at work, sure, whatever. Your teacher forbids you from doing something in the classroom. Please listen sure. to them. This has been my PSA. Yeah. Um, but if you're, like, in a friendship or in a, like, familial relationship past, like, moving out of your parents' house or a romantic relationship where someone forbids you from doing something and your first thought isn't, you don't actually get to forbid me from doing anything, you need to take a long, hard look at that relationship. Because, like, if you are in the place where someone can forbid you from doing something and you're just like, yep, that makes sense, like, that's not a good spot to be. This is not yeah. a good spot to be. Yep. Like, if, if Hunter ever said, I forbid it, I'd be like, I forbid your ass from ever seeing me ever again. Like, Yes. Bye. God. And because you can have, if he is concerned for her safety, you can have those conversations in a productive manner. Yeah. You can bring exactly. it up as a, hey, I'm worried about this because I am concerned about your safety. I have had interactions with people of this, this is going to sound bad, but like, I've had interactions with werewolves before. The interactions I've had with werewolves before weren't safe. And I am worried about you interacting with werewolves because of your safety. Yes. And that could have been, like, the start of a conversation rather than, like, an ultimatum. Absolutely. Yes. Because ultimatums in relationships aren't healthy. Nope. Unless it's take the trash out or I will literally die. Yes. In which case, I I support that ultimatum. I support petty ultimatums that don't matter. Ah, yep. In, like, a fun way. Yes. I don't support, like, real ultimatums. No. But, like, if you don't go to Lowe's, like, I will perish, that's a fine. That's fine. Yes. And so then we get, actually, some backstory on the werewolves. Edward mentions that he was part of the crew that was here when they made the, when Carlisle made the treaty with Jacob's great-grandfather. Yes. And how Jasper and Alice weren't with them yet, but the rest of them were there. Mm-hmm. And it, like... We kind of knew that, but, like, it's, it just gets, like, rough. Like, it, it his It's interesting perspective, to see it from his side, yeah. Yeah, it gets really rough. He sounds like, oh, God, who's the best person to compare him to? He sounds like every white person you've ever heard say the phrase, I'm not racist, but, and then talk about why you shouldn't go on a certain side of town. Oh, Absolutely. Like, he's very, like, calculated about it. He's like, I know these people. Like, I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, right? it's, it's the whole um, Avenue Q song. Everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. 
Yeah, except he's very racist. Yeah. I was about to say he sounds like Pete Buttigieg probably does. <laughs> that was like the first comparison oh, that popped into my head. I saw a really funny tweet the other day. I put it on my Tumblr, so I think you've seen it. But how um, you see all of these older Republicans who were like <laughs> in the closet <laughs> and gay. Um, and there were a bunch of like homophobic jokes we were growing up about it and how the tables have turned now and how Pete Buttigieg is like an openly gay man, but a closet Republican. It, yes, I saw that and I am obsessed I with it. I told it to everyone cackled, I told. oh my God. But no, Edward sounds like anyone who's trying to... Justify their own racism. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. By saying like, oh, well, there's like, you know, violence in those neighborhoods. You don't want to go there, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's not because I'm racist. It's just like there's, the facts yeah, there's speak violence for themselves. There. Yeah. No. No, no, no. You're just racist. Yeah. Turns out you're racist. It's like, yeah, it's wild. The last thing I want to mention, I mean, I, if you have any other points, obviously go ahead, is that like it is kind of clear in this chapter that like Stephanie Meyer is trying to draw a parallel between like the way that Bella functioned in New Moon and like what is happening to Jacob. Yes. And we don't, like, unfortunately see any resolution of that in the near future, which is, like, if you're going to draw that parallel, like, we should at least... I think this chapter was a case of, like, planting a lot of seeds, and I'm just, like, they can't all pay off in a timely fashion, unfortunately. Yes. Though it does... We do get the hints of it weighing on Bella. Yeah, that's true. She She's genuinely upset and, like, does actually want to go see... Yes. Yeah, the end of the chapter is just them being gross. Gross? No. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else you want to say? No, other than that he's super gross and controlling. And ladies if and gentlemen, if anyone does that to you, just please seek help. Get out. Yeah. We straight up don't don't fuck with that shit. Yeah, no. Um, if you want to talk to us about fucking or not fucking with shit, as the case may be, <laughs> uh, we have an email address, trashlight at gmail.com. We have social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, trashlight, trashlight, trashlight. We have a webpage, trashlight.simplecast.fm. You can send us your love. You can talk to us about whatever you want. We are here for you, yes, I guess. We love it when you talk to us. It makes our day. Yes. Um, and on that note, Bye. bye.